32, no wife, no baby, no baby hurts. There's lots of time. I don't act silly anymore, and because of it, I have to hear from so-called friends, you've changed. You used to be so crazy, so great. They're not comfortable with me when I'm serious. Let them go to Radio City Music Hall. Thirty-two. <sighs> Saw all of Europe. Met millions of people. It was great for some, terrible for others. I remember my thirty-first year when I cried, To think, I may have to go on another thirty-one years. I don't feel that way this birthday. I feel... I want to be wise with white hair and a tall library and a deep chair by a fireplace. Another year in which I stole nothing. Eight years now and I haven't stole a thing. I stopped stealing. But I still lie at times and still am shameless yet ashamed when it comes to asking for money. Thirty-two years old and four hard, real money, so bad, wonderful books of poetry. The world owes me a million dollars. I think I had a pretty weird thirty-two years. And if it weren't up to me, none of it. No choice of two in the road if there were. I don't doubt I'd have chosen both. I'd like to think chance had it play the bell. The clue, perhaps, in my unabashed declaration. I'm a good example that there's such a thing called soul. I love poetry because it makes me love the presence in my life. And of all the fires that die in me, there's one burns like the sun. It might not make my day. It might not make... It might not make day my personal life, my association with people or my behavior towards society, but it does tell me my soul has a shadow. Writ on the eve of my 32nd birthday, Gregory Corso. Well, nobody liked that one. All right, only love poems. Absolutely no poems about guys turning 32. We've got it. We've noted. We've noted what the audience likes and what they don't. We've used huge drip. Huge drip. Guys turning 32. Turn off. Uh-uh. No. Guys turning 45 and telling younger women that he's going to fucking ruin their lives? Big thumbs up. We've got it. We've got what these women like. Older men confusing younger women. That's what we're going for. All right. <clears throat> Next one. Love is a deep and dark and a lonely, and you take it deep, take it dark, and you take it with a lonely winding. And when the winding gets too lonely, then may come the wind flowers. And when the breath of the wind over many flowers winding its way out of the man of the many lonely flowers, waiting in rain leaf whispers, waiting in dry stalks of noon, wanting in a music of wind breaths, so that you can take love as it comes, keening as it comes, with a voice and a face, and you make a talk of it, talking to yourself, a talk worth keeping, and you put it away 
for a keen keeping, and you find it to be a hoarding, and you give it away, and yet it stays hoarded. Like a book read over and over again, like one book being in a long row of books, like leaves of windflowers bending low and bending to be never broken. Love is a deep and a dark and a lonely. Carl Sandburg. Goodness. Everybody having a good time? I'm having an amazing time, so I hope you are too. <clears throat> Just one little sip of water. Since I'm knocking it out. <clears throat> These are floating berries of the night. They drop their harvest in dark alleys down softly far down on groves of Venus, or on a little town, forgotten at the world's edge, and oh... <laughs> Their light unlocks all closed things, eyes and mouths, and drifts quietly over kisses in a golden rain, drowning their flight till suddenly the Cyprian lifts her small oh, the Cyprian lifts her small white face to the moon and then hides again. They are the warm candles of beauty hung in the blessing on high. Poised like bright comrades on boughs of night above. They are the link boys of Queen Venus running out of the sky, spilling their friendly radiance on all her ways of love. Should the girl's eyes be lit with swimming fire, oh, do not kiss it away. It is a star, a star. So cried the passion poet to his great romantic guitar. But I was beating off the stars, gazing, not rhyming. I saw the bottomless black cups of space between their clusters, and their planets climbing dizzily in slick airs, and desire to hide my face. But I could not escape those tunnels of nothingness, the cracks in the spinning cross, nor hold my breath from rushing from ever down that terrible lane, infinity's trap door, eternal and merciless. Stars by Kenneth Seltzer I think that's it for the poetry. I do hope you enjoyed it. Shall we begin with the prose? <clears throat> no? Nothing? Nothing live girls? All for the audience? Fair enough. Live girls are all just glazed eyes over in poetry. Just, oh, oh, so good. Oh, it's so nice to have you back. At least that's what I'm pretending for my ego. <laughs> my word, my mornings are not my own. I can't remember the last time I woke up on my own. 
My husband and I have what I can only guess is a unique arrangement. It started early in our marriage when we were both fresh out of college. Our meeting was pretty vanilla, but it didn't take us long to figure out that we were yin and yang in the bedroom. We both liked it rough. He loved taking control and making me feel helpless almost as much as I loved being his plaything. We experimented a lot while I never complained. We would sometimes talk, and he'd ask me how certain things were for me. When I was honest about something not working for me, like the first time he took me anally without lube, he adjusted for me. He's told me many times that he loves the control, but less for its own sake than the impact it see, he sees it has on me. Outside of the bedroom, things are a bit more ordinary. We are a dink couple in our late twenties, living in an apartment and saving up to buy a house in the suburbs. You'd be hard-pressed to tell the difference between us and our neighbors. We see each other off to work in the morning at the train station where I drop them off before heading to my accounting job. Some nights we go out to a movie. Every once in a while we go out for a nice dinner. But mostly we are together as much as we can be. But there was always that moment when he said, Come here, in that voice, and the butterflies in my stomach, and the twitching in my pussy would start simultaneously. But our special relationship started one evening when we were watching TV. Well, I say we were watching, but I don't think he was paying attention. I could see that he was lost in thought, contemplating something. I was into the show, so I didn't pay any mind to his mood. I didn't think he was angry or anything, so I let it go. After the program was over, he took the remote and turned off the TV and spoke. There's something I want to discuss. I want, I mean, I want to do something different and I want you to hear me out. I wasn't at all sure what he was talking about, but I could see that he was struggling with something he didn't quite want to say, so I put on a brave face and tried to smile to make him feel more comfortable. I wasn't sure if this was the right thing, but it was something. He continued, I know you like it when I take control, and I love it too so I want to try something. He paused, closed his eyes, and took a deep breath and then blurted out, I want the first thing you wake up to in the morning to be me having my way with you. He let that sentence hang in the air. I blinked. Looking back, I didn't understand the true magnitude of what he was saying. He had woken me up more than once before and started our day off with orgasms. So I replied, Sure, honey. That sounds like fun. He shook his head. No. I mean every day. I want you to wake up however I want, whenever I want. I want you to trust me that I want what you want. And I want you to be willing to go on that ride with me every morning.
It still didn't sound like a big change to me, but he sounded so serious, so I said meekly, I'm willing to try. He reached over and gave me a kiss and said, Thank you. I promise. I'll keep this good. And that was that. The next morning, the first morning, I woke up feeling my hair being pulled. I was groggy but moved in the direction of the insistent tug. As my eyes opened, I could see my destination was his hard cock. I opened my mouth and got to work. His hands let go of the ball of hair they held and moved to the back of my head. I could feel the warmth radiating out from my pussy with the small amount of attention I could spare from the task at hand. It didn't take long before I could feel him starting to tense up. His hands mashed my head down on his cock, and I did my best to open my throat up, and I felt the first spasm of his cock and the warm goo go in the back of my throat as I swallowed. His cock splurted three or four times, and then he was spent. I felt his hands relax, and I felt back away from his cock, gasping for breath. I could feel a little trickle of his cum, and my spit dribbled down my chin and drip onto my breast. I took just a moment to recover before I realized I was as horny as I could ever remember being. He simply got up, went into the bathroom, and as I heard the shower start, I furiously masturbated, bringing myself two powerful orgasms. As I lay on my bed panting at the first conscious thought of the day, wow. As I said, morning sex was not new, but I couldn't remember ever going from dead sleep to blowjob to orgasm so quickly, but there was no denying was hot. He came out of the bathroom fleshly showered but still naked, and nonchalantly said, Good morning, darling, and went to the closet and get dressed for work. I was still piecing it all together when something made me look at the clock. It was 6.20. It was, indeed, time to get ready for the day. I got up out of bed, wiped the corner of the chin with fingertips, and licked them clean. The taste of his cum reminded me, as if I needed one, of what had just happened. I walked over to him naked, and then pulled up his pants, wrapped him up in a hug, and gave him a long kiss, and finally replied, Good morning, honey. He smiled and asked, So, are you okay with this arrangement so far? I nodded and smiled. He continued, It won't always be the same. And then looked me straight in the eyes with a serious countenance continued, But it will always be my choice. That sent a little shiver down my spine, and I was filled with nervous excitement. And so it began. The next morning he woke me up with his lubed cock easily easing its way into my pussy and his hands grabbing my wrists and holding them immobile from the sides. He worked me up and then turned me over and took my ass, filling it with his cum. The mornings melded together, but they were always unique. Some mornings he woke me up with his tongue on my clit and brought me to one orgasm after another, 
others, he turned me over on my tummy and gave me a spanking until I was crying freely. Occasionally, he would follow that up with a harsh strapping with his, with his belt. Often, this was the morning, this is how the morning started when we went to bed angry or upset. He would hold me after while it got the crying back under control. Every morning was different. Some mornings he would come, some mornings I would, some mornings both. Some mornings if he spanked me I'd cry, sometimes that would be followed with an orgasm, but it was always at his discretion, his choice. I was his plaything to do with as he pleased. He even told me sometimes that I was the best sex toy he could imagine. That always filled me with a sense of pride, and usually made my pussy tingle a little. Not every morning was good, of course. If we had a long night, or when either of us had a cold, there was always still the matter of how I would start my day. Though he never failed to wake me up, though those days he was kinder, often just starting my day fingering my pussy a little until I was awake and then giving me just a gentle kiss before getting up. On days like that, I was grateful that he let me go back to sleep, despite having woken me up in the first place. One day, he announced that his company was sending him off on a business trip for a couple of days. I told him I missed him, and asked him what that would mean for the morning. He just cryptically said, Nothing. I found out the next morning what he meant. He called me on my cell phone at 5 a.m., had me take a shower, and then return to bed, propped the phone up on the nightstand, and while he watched me over the video, I masturbated for him. After I came, he told me he loved me and missed me and told me to have a good day. So there I was, wide awake at 5.30, but at least I had still gotten to start my day with him. I can't remember the last time we had sex where I wasn't woken up from dead sleep in the morning for it. Most nights, the last thought I have before I go to sleep or wondering what the morning will bring. I try to guess how he will use me, and of course, that makes the feelings in my pussy start up, and I smile and yawn once, and then sleep takes me away. Wake up by Sensei on Lush Stories. <clears throat> mm -mm -mm. <laughs> mm. Let's get right on into this next one. I'm having a great time, guys. I really am. This has been the best way. I'm looking forward to a month of these shows. I really am. Bring the same energy. You guys are amazing. You guys are amazing. You make me feel very, very good about myself and what I do. Thank you. Okay. <clears throat> she was doing it again. Dean's eyes had snapped open and a small gasp had left his lips as remnants of a nightmare he couldn't remember skidded across his mind and floated away into nothingness. He had lain there on his side, blinking, trying to calm his beating heart when he had heard the first unmistakable sounds. Shit, he said under his breath. 
The low whine that slid across the air seemed to caress his cock from the bottom to the top, making it swell almost immediately. Double shit. When the first started staying with them, he had told her how everything in the bunker echoed and how easy it was to hear people sneeze, cough, hell, scratch an itch behind the guest room walls. Another gasp followed by a heavy breath rang through said walls, and Dean had to stop himself from reaching down and squeezing his cock. Fuck. Why didn't anyone ever listen to him? She was slowly killing him night after night. It was enough that during the day, all he could think about was nuzzling behind her ear, making her let out a small giggle that she rarely let anyone hear. And when she nervously tapped her foot in the ground whenever she was worried about a case, he had to stop himself from running his hand down her thigh and squeezing it in reassurance, trying to get her to smile at him in the unguarded way she gave Sammy. And that was the thing. During the day, she never let her guard down around him, ever, and it sucked. But at night... At night, even if she didn't know it, all the walls came crashing down. He heard her most beautiful moans, groans, and gasps escape those plump lips, and it made his heart pound in ways he hadn't felt in a very long time. It was both the best and worst feeling in the world because he struggled with himself every time this happened. Should he? Shouldn't he? It was wrong he shouldn't. The unmistakable sound of low buzzing filled the air, and Dean had to bite his lip to keep the curse from leaving his lips as his cock swelled even further. Shit. She's using a vibrator. Oh, fuck. Her desperate, whispered words were straight down his spine, and his mind immediately granted his image of her naked body splayed across her bed as her heels grounded down into the mattress, her head thrown back into the pillows behind her as a hand worked that lucky fucking vibrator in and out. Dean felt his cock start to drip into his box of briefs, and his rational mind went down the hall, out the door, and straight into hell. He brought his t-shirt down out of the way and made quick work of his tie and the sweat on the tie of his sweatpants before he reached in, squeezed his shaft, and tried to muffle his moan into the pillow. So wrong, but so fucking good. He grabbed at the base of his cock and started timing his strokes to the volume of the vibrator. It would be quieter when she shoved it in louder as she pulled it out and moved into his fist as if he was stroking into her. She was trying so hard to be quiet, but her whines were getting louder with each passing second. He could hear the vibrator plunging faster. Quickly, he licked into her palm and resumed stroking to her pace, his neck straining as he desperately tried to hold in his growls of satisfaction. Yes, yes, oh fuck, yes. Dean could feel almost the tension in the air snap, as if it was he who was the one grinding into her body 
and that creamy wet walls really were clenching around him as she finally found the release she had been chasing. Uncontrollably, he snapped his hips into his fist, burying his desperate moans into his pillows as he came into his hand with a force so strong he felt goosebumps rise all over his body. Vaguely, he could hear her shuffling around her room and her waiting with bated breath until he heard their settle back into bed. He waited fifteen more minutes before he finally got up and cleaned himself off as quietly as he could. He really should remind her about the echoes in the bunker. Like, immediately. Maybe. With a sigh, Dean got into bed and turned onto his stomach. Sleep claimed him within minutes. No nightmares to be found. Two weeks later. He was doing it again. Granted, it was the middle of the night, and normally everyone would be in their fifth dream by now, but if you have been having trouble sleeping, not many in your line of work could say that they rested peacefully and had been awake at this hour reading your Kindle. You didn't think Dean realized how loud he was being with those stupid headphones of his on, or how much everything in this bunker was magnified at 3 a.m. with no lights on, no water running, no TVs blaring. The deep silence caused the sinful huffs and the, ti- and the tinny sounds of whatever porn he was watching to be magnified into the night air. The volume turned up so high it apparently let Dean lose his ever-loving mind and let him forget to be quieter with his moans and softer with his pants and knees. Damn it. It was that depraved sound that came from low in his throat that was always your undoing. It made your core tighten with want and throb with the need to be filled with his thick cock. And you knew it was thick and long and fucking perfect. Living in close quarters didn't always allow for privacy and walking in on him when he was drying himself off in a motel bathroom let your hungry eyes see him in all his glory. Sure, you had stuttered out an apology as Dean looked at you with wide eyes before wrapping the towel around his hips. But... You had definitely looked your fill for as long as you could, and when you have get, and you would have given anything, and you would give anything to see what it looked like hard, dripping with pre-cum, ready for your open mouth and slick tongue. The image was so real in your head that you actually licked your lips a bit down on your lower lip. A moan slipped out. Shit. You momentarily panicked before telling yourself that he couldn't even hear himself. He certainly couldn't hear you. Your eyes went wide. You wouldn't. You couldn't. And as quick as you told yourself no, as you always did on nights like tonight, your sleeping pants were being kicked off your legs, and your hand was palming your ridiculously slick center as you moaned low in your throat, and you heard another grunt come from the other side of the wall. God, it felt so good to be able to let go a little, to be able to let it out, even the smallest of noises, knowing he couldn't hear you with those headphones on. 
your room was slightly smaller than theirs, and because of that, required the bed to be up against the wall, separating you from Dean's room. One hand rose to the grooves embedded in the concrete as you traced your fingers over where his warm body would be. You imagined where his cock would be standing at attention, and you caressed the walls as you would hem, and almost as if he could actually feel you, a low pant rang through the air that made your clit throb fiercely. Oh, God. You said into the air as you brought your fingers back to where you needed them most. You rubbed quickly at the button of the top before bringing two fingers from your other hand to your core and shoving them deep inside you, making you arch your back. You wanted to come with him, and, prior to experience, had proven when his low bones started getting huffier, it meant he was close. You closed your eyes and imagined what he was doing. He wouldn't be naked, unless it was stifling hot. He always went to bed in a t-shirt and sweats or shorts. You tried to think back to what he was wearing earlier, in the image of him saying goodnight in a white t-shirt and gray sweatpants, flickering through your mind before you placed him back in his bed with his pants pushed down just enough to get out his leaking cock. You imagine he would push up the bottom of his t-shirt, revealing the flat panes of his stomach so that nothing would get in his way, or so that when he came, he wouldn't be to get his shirt. You imagine his eyes watching whatever dirty movie was playing as he gripped his throbbing member, and it stroked up before twisting his hand slightly on the top to get that delicious burn. In your mind's eye, you saw him rub the drop of silky precum into the red head of his cock and watched as he grunted at that feeling. You heard the snick of a cap being opened, and your eyes opened momentarily as you realized he was probably lubing himself up. You knew you were right when a satisfied grunt slid into the air, and that unmistakable wet sound rang through the bunker walls as he worked himself into a deeper frenzy. Yes, you whispered to yourself as you stroked fingers faster, pressing down harder on your clit, the motion aided by how soaked you were and your vivid imagination. You heard that desperate little growl slide through the air, and you knew he was almost there, and God, you wished you were sitting in front of him, ready to catch his release on your tongue and hungrily swallow it down before licking him clean. <sighs> that one image mixed with the sounds of Dean reaching his release next door with a desperate fuck had your orgasm crashing all over you, and you turned your head into your pillow as your lower stomach clenched over and over again as you struggled to keep your moans low in your throat. Vaguely, you heard the click of his laptop close and heard him shuffling around in his bedroom. You didn't move a muscle, worried that he would hear you as clearly as you had heard him and didn't want to embarrass him with the possibility that you had caught him jerking off no matter how delicious the whole scenario was. 
Five minutes later, you heard his headboard hit the wall slightly as he adjusted himself into a comfortable position. Ten minutes after that, you heard a low snore, and you finally took in a deep breath and got out of your bed. Dean cleaned himself up with wide eyes and slightly trembling fingers as he looked over at the wall separating her from him. He took a deep breath as he put away the headphones he had taken off 20 minutes ago when the porn he had been watching was doing nothing for him. Instead, he had resorted to images of her that tried to put him over the edge. What he had gotten instead was a live version of what would happen if they'd ever been blessed with the opportunity to fuck her senseless. He had heard every sigh, moan, and whine as she had gotten herself off. While it certainly wasn't the first time, this time was undoubtedly different, because she had heard him too. She had said his name. The question was, what was he going to do about it? Excerpt from Clandestine Echoes by Fate's Temptress. Boy, that was steamy. That was hot. A little double voyeur action going on. That was well constructed. I want to know why they're in that fucking bunker, though, don't you? Oh, I'm so curious why they had... Like, when they started off talking about a bunker, I was like, well, maybe it's like a post-apocalypse thing, or maybe it's like it's oldie times. But then they've got laptops and cell phones, and now I'm all confused. I'm like, why are they fucking... Why are they in that fucking bunker? Is it, like, lost? Why are in that fucking bunker? What's happening? <laughs> Very well done. Faith's Temptress, well done. Very sexy. Very sexy. Double voyeur. I'm going to have to steal that trick for a double voyeur of my own. Very, very clever. <clears throat> Here we go. This, this, title is, uh, this title is something else. So I'm bracing myself. Here we go. <clears throat> Jimmy blew into the charcoals. Two flames popped up and cracked the afternoon air. He scraped the grill and gazed about at Jake's clean Rambo knife. As he carried it with a death grip. Ten feet away, Jake kneeled at an oak stump, slicing open the underbelly of Jane's fat sheepshed. The zebra scales, silver and spilling blood all over the woods. This is a nice one, Jane, Jake said. Jane lifted the cooler of beer from the back of the canoe. He put up a pretty good fight, she said. She spread his legs to keep the boat sturdy. Jimmy, eyes widening to her bent over ass. Her jean shorts cut high, revealing the creases of her cheeks. Smooth tan legs down her coffee brown sandals. I'm not, I'm not, author's note. These are the sentences. I'm pausing where the, where the punctuation is. She whipped her long brown hair around, carrying the cooler like a suitcase, and her folded red billabong t-shirt. She glanced at Jimmy and sat on the cooler by Jake. Jake rubbed his bald head and leaned in to kiss her. 
This little guy is only going to be a side dish. What else you got? There's hamburger meat under the beer and ice, Jimmy said, and some red onions in my bag. I'll get the onions, Jane said. She hypnotized herself on the glowing orange below Jimmy's spatula. On one knee, she searched his bag. Her breasts blurred by the coal heat. They hung free in their blue bikini, just covering her nipples. Jimmy studied both of them as he pinched his erection loose. The green bulge of his Jimmy Z bathing suit. She raised off the dirt of three she rinsed off the dirt with three red onions. One dropped behind her. Why can't she carry all these onions? Please, Lord, let her bend over the other way. I would love for her to bend over. This flash of excitement flooded Jimmy's erection down his wobbling ankles. She did. She lined her ass up to the grill and bent down with straight legs. This time, her Daisy Dukes uncovered half of her ass. A marshmallow white tan line from a skimpy bathing suit. Two soft pimples wobbled. Jimmy looked at his best friend. His boldness whitened sunlight as he unzipped the guts from the fish's spine. Nice pound of meat we got, Jake said. Locomotive smoke poured off the grill. Onions, cow meat, and sheep's head sizzled upon the grate. A cloud climbed across the Lorakshi River, landing a mockingbird nest, a scream of babies. Oh, fuck, Jake said. What's up, man? Jimmy said. My boss needs me to come in like now. Our biggest client needs some shit. You've got to be fucking kidding me, Jake said. I'll just dump some water on this and we'll pack up, Jake said. No, you guys stay and enjoy. Keep the canoe. I can hike it back to the parking lot a few hundred yards that way. Really? Jimmy said. Yeah, but look out for my girlfriend and don't try any bullshit, Jake said. Dude, you have been dating like seven years and I have not even looked at her, Jimmy said. You're the only guy I would trust her with. So there, Jake said. Jimmy flipped the meat. <laughs> oh, thank Christ. Oh, I was really getting worried about that fucking charcoal. Oh, uh, that's the plot point that we really need to fucking focus on. Woo! Okay. <clears throat> Jimmy flipped the meat. His eyes burned. Jake's departure became a blurred monkey cutting through shimmying branches and leaves. She showed me her hot ass after all, all this time, and now we're alone with, like, a case of beer in the middle of the Larachi River. Oh, my God. Bye, honey. Be careful, she said. A faint voice returned the call. I will. 
Behave. Want a beer? She said. That would be wonderful, Jimmy said. They flipped the army green canoe for a picnic table. Each on opposite sides. Both of their kneecaps buried in the marsh. With each swallowed piece of meat and onion. A dousing cold American beer. One more time. With each swallowed piece of meat and onion, a dousing of cold American beer. Chilling the throat and numbing the cheeks. Want to go swimming? She said. Maybe down a bit. The water's in deep. Lots of gators around. She poured a full silver can of Bud Light down her throat. <laughs> Is the Lilacshi River in Florida? Uh, someone tell me if it is. Fuck it, she said. She pulled down her jean shorts, a tiny blue thong remaining, strapped tight around her waist. Two strings tied loops on each side. She had held her beer up high and wobbled firm ass cheeks into cool green river. This sounds like when a blind guy... This sounds like when people describe things for the blind on commercials. You know what I'm talking about? Have you guys ever seen a commercial where where the audio's in and and there's a person and they describe the action for the blind? They'll be like, a man, a man spills something. Like, it'll just come out of nowhere. It's just like that. It's that same kind of like, we just have to get this action in as quick as possible. We just gotta fit it in. Oh, these kids are going to fucking their skaters. We have to really fucking fit this shit in. One more time. I'm going to read this sentence. This is verbatim. I'm not fucking this up. I swear to you. This is verbatim. She poured a full silver can of Bud Light down her throat. Fuck it, she said. She pulled down her jean shorts, a tiny blue thong remaining, strapped tight around her waist, two strings tied loops on each side. She held her beer up high and wobbled her firm ass cheeks into the cool green river. Jimmy swam in after her. I'm not letting you swim in this shit. You'll be fucking killed, he said. I'm not gonna watch. He carried her out bridal style. Her hazel eyes glued to his. The balls of her feet landed next to the kneecap. Holes in the marsh. He leaned down a foot to kiss her. Their warm beer tongues swam with each other. Let's let's keep that one. Let's keep that one. Their warm beer tongues swam with each other. Let's just remember. Let's keep that one in mind for later. That's possible merch. <laughs> he palmed her cool ass cheeks and then removed her top. Her tits splayed out like melons as he sucked on both. Then, back between her lips, he peeled down her navy blue bottom. Oh shit, I hear a swamp boat. <laughs> sure, 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 sure. He carried her smooth naked body to an oak stump, soaked off the fish cuts with beer, and set her down! <laughs> Two fishermen throttled the narrow path. They searched the dead woods by the picnic table canoe. 
pretending not to see a pretty naked girl spread eagle on a tree stump. Jimmy buried his head between her thighs, his mouth filled with beer, and now warm pussy. He sucked at it like a wet nectarine, the citrus juice dripping down his neck and cooling his Adam's apple. Jane pulling the reins on his blonde crew cut, pretending not to see two older fishermen drifting downstream, staring. I have wanted to have sex with you for like ten years, Jimmy said. Jimmy steps back as she buries her kneecaps into the dry inland dirt. Her bubble butt gleaming in the jungle's sunshine. He molests her ass, finding the two pimples with his right thumb. They made a callback! <laughs> I, didn't, I thought this guy didn't know what he was doing when he was jumping from plot point to plot point. I was wrong. We're in the presence of mastery. Everybody settle down. Let's learn some shit. He found the two pimples with his right thumb. Then, a firm smack. He examines her perfect curves as he drops his bathing suit. The sweet Florida breeze fondles his testicles, his bare ass engendering a plethora of goosebumps. One more time. Then, a firm smack. He examines her perfect curves as he drops his bathing suit. The sweet Florida, South Florida, I was right. Breeze fondles his testicles. His bare ass engendering a plethora of goosebumps. One long swing of gold domesticated beer. And he slides his cock into her. Eight inches of pulsating marble dick. Oh, fuck. The two fishermen or their motorboat against the current to watch the show. With two hands groping her hanging breasts, he moves them to her left head, to her head. Hopefully he means the hands, right? (laughs) With two hands groping her hanging breasts, he moves them to her head. Hopefully the hands, right? He follows the line of her spine, yes, as his cock burns between her ass cheeks. (laughs) It rubs back and forth, tickling his moldy soul in every possible place. He holds her hips, and his cock smooshes and swooshes the inside of her gentle walls of her happy pussy. He carves his name in it, like jack-o'-lantern meat, (laughs) poking into her soul, Bouncing her flesh and holding on to her grapefruit tits for dear life. Oh, fuck. You feel so fucking good. I just own this pussy here today. Down by this beautiful river. You own this pussy, baby, Jane said. Jimmy's entire body goes numb as his kneecaps bleed. His mouth spills saliva. His eyeballs sucked backwards. The bouncing flesh cannot be kept, keep up with the thrill. He pulls out and shoots hot juice all over her lower back and ass. It pours out 
splashes onto her thighs. It pours out more like blasts of spitting egg whites all over her trembling body. The two older fishermen applaud and start their engine. It smells like hot oil. Jake comes running out of the bush like a Vietnam soldier. I'm going to kill both of you. You are fucking dead. Jane tilts her head back and looks at Jimmy's soul. She pulls back her lips to show a smile of white enamel. Jimmy smiles too. Oh, fuck, he said. What, she said. Did you come too? This is by Fine Bubble Buns Art. And I'm definitely clicking their name on Literotica. Yeah. Yeah, all of their stories are thankfully wrote are, are, uh, ranked lower than mine. Otherwise, I would be very, very sad. There's one that's very recent. Oh, they're all very recent. Oh, man. I don't want to... I don't want to... <laughs> I don't want to insult this person too much. They're new. Okay, so guys, here's what happened. I just did a piece. I don't know Supernatural, right? Uh, so I just did one, and, and I'm being informed by you guys that the Bunker one was Supernatural. That's why it was Dean uh, and, and that have you thing. Somebody else has sent in... Uh, a super no, this is the same one. Oh, no. Okay, we're great. All right, so I thought we had two Supernatural ones to read. Never mind, it was from the same selection. If you like the Bunker Supernatural one, there's like 18 more. So enjoy that shit. Let's finish off with one more from who we just heard. This is Fine Bubble Buns Art. The genre is sci-fi and fantasy. And the name, if that didn't already get me, sci-fi and fantasy from Florida River Guy, if that one didn't get me, then, then here's the title. Ready? Warden Strife's Compassion City. From the same person who just wrote the last one. Aren't you intrigued? I'm fucking intrigued. Here we go. <clears throat> it's the final story of the night. Let's throw those tips out. Come on, throw me some money. Throw me some bones. Show me you miss me. Come on. Final story of the night. I know it's gone so quick, but it's only because I've been doing so well and kicking so much ass. Tip me, tip me. You should definitely pay me. If you miss me, if you need me, you should definitely pay me. All right. I'm going to pronounce this Brack, the name Brack. It is spelled B-R-A-Q-U-E. But I just need you to know that in my mind, I will be imagining the space ghost villain Brack, B-R-A-K. Be Brack from Space Ghost, particularly the Coast to Coast incarnation, who will be filling out this story in my mind. Here we are. <clears throat> Brack's eyes were thin lines as he looked down the empty parking lot. Atticus's aimed his Porsche right in front of the ceramic shop. Brack pushed the passenger door into a gust. A fresh-cut lawn. Oh, yeah. We've made a great choice. Whoever selected this person is awesome. It looks like an adult video store, Atticus said. They could have ceramic dildos now. They walked in. 
The darkness was a hot quilt against their faces. This place is like a morgue, Atticus said. He slammed the metal door like a tomb. Paper stacks jumped beneath the purple crystal stones. Bract walked down the hard concrete. The pale ceramic glowed like ivory. There was an aisle of pop culture figurines. The Incredible Hulk, Spongebob, and a fossilized Darth Vader. A brown-eyed lady in her thirties came down the aisle, her gold breast the size of grapefruits, a recurring theme. Brack's morning wood returned. I'm Bambi, the owner. Can I help you find anything? Not at the moment, Brack said. I want to unleash your bra. Suck, suck, suck. Atticus came from behind. I know. Hot as shit, right? Well, I'm going to run out of voices at this rate. Can I help you, boys? Rudy said as he walked into the light. The soft red glow displayed a midget of four feet. I have no idea who the fuck's saying this next line. There's no dialogue tag, so I'm just I'm just gonna throw this out there. I went to high school with you and Bambi. Oh shit, Atticus, I didn't know it was you. There's no dialogue tags. This place is darker than a fucking movie theater, Atticus said. My sister and I are vampires, Rudy said. I'll be right back. Rudy's frame dissolved into the dark green shadow. <laughs> this is the greatest thing I've ever read. Hold on one more second. I'm definitely imagining the little person from fucking Twin Peaks for one. All right, I'm seeing Peter Dinklage. I'm seeing other names are being listed for the little person. I'm definitely going with the little person from Twin Peaks saying this. And here's what he says one more time. My sister and I are vampires, Rudy said. I'll be right back. Rudy's frame dissolved into the dark green shadows. <laughs> are you bisexual? Atticus said. Rudy used to tell us he would let us all fuck his sister if we did him first. I don't know who's speaking. There's no dialogue tags! <laughs> this is amazing! I've never seen this before! I've never seen a four-person scene without dialogue tags! Oh, this person's just doing their own fucking thing. It's incredible. Uh... <laughs> what are friends for? Atticus said. You want me to ask? No. Brack said. Yes, Atticus said. I don't know, dude, Brack said. Atticus scraped his sandals across the ceramic dust to end to the end of the aisle, spelled I-S-L-E. <laughs> Brack listened. Atticus and Rudy glowed blue as they giggled and lumbered back. Let me see your ass, Rudy said. Brack's face squelled red. Seriously? You want to fuck Bambi? Rudy said. She will fuck me? If I ask her to. 
Brack turned and pulled his pants and boxers down. He lifted his T-shirt. His ass cheeks bounced to a stop. <laughs> Every sentence there was more confusing than the last. <laughs> One more time. <laughs> Brack turned and pulled his pants and boxers down. He lifted his T-shirt. His ass cheeks bounced to a stop. We're on, Rudy said. You come here this Friday night. You can fuck my sister Saturday morning. Okay. Friday night came. Oh, thank Christ, we had a fucking time difference. Oh, thank Christ, we had to set it up as a future date. Otherwise, otherwise this would be really, really unbelievable. <laughs> okay. Friday night came, and Brack pulled up his black accord. Rudy opened the door. They both walked blackened. They both walked a blackened aisle toward a faint light. There were three middle-aged midgets and two older men in their seventies. Recurring themes. I am not comfortable with this, Brack said. <laughs> the men all sat red cushion chairs. <laughs> Rudy walked over to an old oak desk and poured a whiskey. <laughs> I'm gonna need half the bottle, Brack said. You have any weed? Brack said. I do, Leslie said. He resembled Super Mario. He packed a bowl. Brack sipped his whiskey. Rudy pointed to a piano seat and grabbed a white bench from a small picnic table. Can you just get down? Rudy said. Brack plopped down his denim kneecaps. He rested his stomach and forearms on the cherry wood piano set. Rudy came up behind him and his silver zipper lined up. I think it'll work, babe. Brack soaked his tongue with liquor. Leslie handed him a fresh bowl like green yarn. Brack took his pipe to his lips and filled his lungs with soft white smoke. I've got ecstasy, Roman said. He was Leslie's brother, a long-haired midget that looked like Frank Zappa. He handed one to Brack. It is just half, Roman said. They are not that strong. The pill flushed down with whiskey. What the fuck am I doing? Brack thought. His pocket vibrated. Atticus text. Did the white bubble buns get some midget cock yet? The two older men in their 70s were Earl and Sid. They were gold brains and retired attorneys. Once more, these two words are in italics. That's why I'm saying them weird. They were gold brains and retired attorneys. They drowned their old gums in red wine. I want to see my little friends pounded some ass, Sid said. The plump red chairs were reestablished to form a half moon around the piano seat. <laughs> Thirty minutes passed. The ecstasy melted in his belly. Okay, I think I'm fucked up, Brack said. His lips were numb. He fixed another whiskey. He placed his bubble ass on the piano seat. Vaggot! Let's do this shit! 
He removed his shirt and loosened his copper buckle. Fresh air swept through his thighs. His pants dropped. A thin black thong with tassels remained. He turned to Rudy. They started to kiss. Rudy dropped his cargo pants. He's definitely not gay if he's wearing cargo pants in front of all these people. I'm sorry. I'm just going to say that right up. Maybe I'm being heteronormative. I don't believe a gay man's going to host a house party to wear cargo pants. Just going to say it. Judge me if you want. Call me homophobic. His erection materialized to hard marble. He smacked Brack's ass. It wobbled. It wobbled like jello. So many callbacks. This is amazing. <laughs> I'm about to get fucking laid, guys, Rudy said. He pulled himself up on the bench. He slid down Brack's thong and nudged the head of his cock between Brack's smooth hills. He started pounding. Oh, yeah. The group watched. The piano chair squeaked like an old rocking chair. Shake that ass while I'm fucking it, Rudy said. Brack's eyes rolled into the back of his head, not from Rudy's solid cock, but the ecstasy. Oh, shit. Here it comes, Rudy said. He pulled his cock out and splayed semen across his ass. He is fucking rolling hard, Leslie said. Brack laid on the piano seat. He floated three feet off the ground. His mouth opened and dried out. Who? Who wants to ride with me through space? Brack said. I'll ride with you, Sid said. He sat down his wine glass and walked over. He kneeled and palmed both axe cheeks. Can I be the captain, Brack? Sid asked. He removed his navy blue dress pants. He stroked his cock. He pushed his dick between Brack's buns and started fucking. Brack's mouth opened like a grouper. Then he sucked his thumb. I've got a pacifier, Earl said, as he walked over and casted a shadow across Brack's brow. Oh my, hold it steady, Sid said. He nearly passed out as he flooded his sperm down the side of Brack's leg. Sid looked up to see Earl's eight-inch dick, eight inches, buried in Brack's throat. Brack is earning his points tonight, Sid said. To hell with his mouth, Earl. You need to hit that bubble butt. Earl palmed the back of Brack's head while his tongue tickled down his cock. Brack craned to see his own ass. Roman was propped up with his hard cock deep inside. Oh, fuck, Roman said. Brack gagged as Earl's cock flooded his mouth. Roman's cock poured all over Brack's two ass cheeks. Brack stood up and dripped across the floor. You can't leave me out, Leslie said. Oh, that wasn't Brack, sorry. You can't leave me out, Leslie said. He laid on an old plaid couch with his cock aimed at the ceiling. Just turn around and ride it. It won't last two minutes. Rudy fetched Brack a bottle of water. He flushed the dryness from his mouth, amongst other things. His naked ass jiggled as he walked over to the couch and placed his ass in Leslie's fingers. Brack straddled him. Leslie palmed his hard cock and Brack's ass slid down. 
and Leslie moaned. The couch rocked. Leslie reached around and grabbed Brack's dick. Bambi walked in. Brack's cock fountained all over the coffee table. Fuck, Brack said. I was saving that for Bambi. Brack smiled at Bambi. I cannot fucking believe I was just fucking gangbanging. He picked up his clothes, his phone warmed by Atticus's texts. Brack text. Come pick me up. I'm too fucked up to drive. Atticus text. Be there in 20. Rudy led Brack into a hot shower. Brack grabbed a white bar of soap, polished his body. I owe you, Brack, Rudy said. Those two guys, those two guys are my landlords. We are past due by six months. You just gave us two. What about the other four? Bambi, Rudy said. <laughs> and no explanation further will be given. After the shower stopped, Brack listened to more fucking. The drywall moaned. The couch squeaked. He peeked. Sid had Bambi with open legs, and he slammed his cock in her. Earl stood by as she massaged his balls. You all better sell some fucking ceramics, Brack said. <laughs> Brack, I'm so with you, buddy. <laughs> oh my god, that's amazing. You all better sell some fucking ceramics, Brack said. I know, Rudy said. We just love the store and we don't want to lose it. You want to lose your souls in the process? Apparently, Breck gets very philosophical when he's rolling on E. <laughs> ah. Atticus walked in and smiled. He smelled strong of men's cologne. So, how was it? He has a nice ass, right, Rudy? Indeed, he does, Rudy said. Brack started crying and put his hands on his head. I just fucked five guys and had unprotected sex, Brack said. I probably have AIDS. I'm going to hell. Is this true? Atticus said. Yes, we all got fucked up, Rudy said. That is fucked up, Atticus said. Atticus and Brack walked to the front door of the store. It smelled of dry wood and old paint. <laughs> yeah, let's just drive the smell of the place now! <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit! I mean, come on! Oh my god. What do you want to do? Stop listening to you! Brack said. You're blaming this on me? Atticus said. If you never brought it up, none of this would have happened! Brack said. What do you want to do? Atticus said. See a doctor! Go to my old church! Brack said. You have an old church? Atticus said, we need to get the fuck out of here, he thought. Atticus grabbed Brack's arm. The hood of the Porsche glowed the streetlights. The hood of the Porsche glowed the streetlights. Puddled rain painted the stars. Drive me to the ocean. 
so I can soak my sins and cuts, Brack said. Fuck that. We're going to the ER for P.E.P., Atticus said. What's P.E.P.? Brack said. Post-exposure paraxis. You have 72 hours to take it to prevent HIV, Atticus said. He flooded the Porsche to 200 miles per hour. Raindrops tapped the windshield like bullets. Slow the fuck down, Breck said. The hospital glowed beige. The Porsches blinked and soaked intersections. The car slid into a cement light post? It flipped sideways into the hospital parking lot and inflamed. Both bodies burned, mangled and dead. Their souls released to the sky? Atticus, Vrak said. I thought we were dead. Their souls landed in a theater from junior high. The girl Brack had a crush on sat in front, her brown hair draped in the seat. Uh-oh. Atticus slumped next to him. Secrets killed us. Oh, hold on. Secrets killed us, Atticus? You know my twin brother is in jail for murder. <laughs> you know my twin brother's in jail for murder, Atticus said. Hold on, the lead got buried. I need one more run at this one. Whew. This is a sentence. This is a real fucking sentence and an already dense, dense story. Here we are. <clears throat> you know my twin brother is in jail for murder, Atticus said. I molested him. We both kept it a secret. They found a suction cup dildo under his bed. You know, for the first time in my adult life, I am not thinking about fucking or being fucked, Brack said. Me too, Atticus said. My imagination is jacked up. Look at those theater lights and those beautiful long drapes. Sometimes I thought all life was was for fucking, Brack said. Like the human ass was the greatest sacrament on earth. There was a lot of human ass in museums, Atticus said. You know what the most important thing after being gang fucked? Brack said. What? said Atticus. I want to tell my mom and dad about it, Brack said. It would have caused them strife, but the devils chains us by our secrets. The girl nodded her head. Her hair parted and two eyes appeared. They each had a black button pupils that rested over spilled tartar sauce. Below it, a black hole opened up. You're in hell, darlings, she said. The drapes pulled back as it exposed a young lady apparition who played the Bells of Moscow on piano. This is truly hell. The only part that is not horny monkey. It is this. A dark, beautiful theater. Ballerinas float, all lit up from a blaze. Hammered piano keys to ingest, she said. So what now? Brack said. What will you miss the most about Earth? She said. Don't tell him! Don't tell her! Brack! Brack, don't tell her! You mean hell? Brack said. Human asses. Days off. Sweet smell of gardenias. <laughs> Hold on. I feel many people will think 
I was a detestable pig of what happened at the ceramic store. I would not even be worth the electric chair. How do you feel about it now? She said. Alone, Bragg said. You are not even close to being alone, she said. I was once a child, and I know that nothing is more sacred and beautiful than a family, Bragg said. Do you think by pulling your thong down and getting fucked by five gentlemen, you attack the sacrament of family on earth? Take that fucking... Take that fucking quote in isolation, and you've got yourself a fucking banger of a story. Just get that in the right hands, and someone's mind's gonna go wild. It is possible, Brack said. The long serpent's body slithered forward. Climb on its back now, she said. Brack and Atticus both jumped and hugged the dark green scales. It slithered inside a tunnel of chiseled limestone. What is your greatest complaint about Earth? She said. Aging. As you aged, life got harder. Work was more and harder. Anxiety grew and your body decayed. Diseases were perpetually verbalized, all while the young attacked, Barak said. Right now, I feel strong, Atticus said. Both men were enrobed in knight's armor. They had strong silver breastplates. Are we going into battle? Brack said. You were born in this armor, she said. You have never left the battle. The true definition of hell is denying battle. When you were gangbanged, you took off your heavy armor. <laughs> it exhausted your soul to put it back on. That is why it felt sick. With the right woman... She will help you put it back on. Is the right woman one that you love and start a family with? Brack said. Uh, I don't say this word, so what a fucking F word. Atticus said. Brack looked back at the purple glass marble, and then Atticus's bulged brown eyes. I am just kidding, Atticus said. Was the hat designed to be fucked? <laughs> Was the hat designed to be fucked? Brack asked. We all masturbate, and sacred Christian married couples have anal sex. I dig it, Atticus said. The serpent swam into a giant blue mountain. See that mountain, she said. Inside it, we drop your souls off, and then... You will spend eternity having your asses fucked. Why, said Atticus, I'm not gay. I mean, I fucked around. But an eternity of ass fucking is unconsciousable. I'm just kidding, she said. <laughs> sure, 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 sure. I'm glad you two didn't call me a bitch after joking around that <laughs> <clears throat> I despise so many male earthlings calling women bitches. What is your name, bitch? Atticus said. Ginger, she said. A green glass wall towered ahead. It was the side of the ocean's 
five miles deep. The surface leaked white foam like glass of champagne. The serpent splashed into the darkest green. Are we going to drown? Brack asked. Heaven has always been at the bottom of the ocean, Ginger said. Little earthling peckerheads could never build a device so deep. The three of them penetrated the saltwater wall. They could breathe. Mars is hell, by the way. The Earthians keep trying to land junk there. <laughs> I'm learning so much. Atticus felt drenched but dried up at the same time. Something is off, Brack said. No, really, no. <laughs> you are going back. Ginger said. A tornado formed and enrobed Brack's body. He whirled up towards the sun. He rocketed miles into a cement basin on the Earth's surface. The ocean splattered the sides. The sun cooked his tender forehead. A large white crucifix rested upon the rooftop. The air was dry. He climbed over the slab soles of his feet of a red sediment. It was warm like the hood of a car. A tall grove of Mexican sunflowers ruffled like cracked fire. A knight emerged with blood-stained steel over his breast. He pulled a sword and pointed at Brack's bludged, bulged brown eyes. You are an old soul ready to return to Earth. I must chop off your head and send you back. This has become a Neil Gaiman story. This is crazy. Brack's mouth dropped open. He rested his knees to the soft stone and leaned forward. Tears flooded into pools of oil. The night shadow overlapped his sorrow. The sun heated the ray's sword. It sounded like a smashed pumpkin. His head rolled across the tiled desert. Rhythmic blips and bleeps shrieked across the hospital bed. Ginger and Atticus orbited a crystal ball. It blurred a hospital bed with Brack's bandaged head and torso. He needed to be careful with demons. They are like salvating wolves to souls, floating and landing in bodies. Why did you not warn him? Atticus said. The three mermaids with red hair and firm tits swam by. He should be fine, Ginger said, unless he thinks with his dick. A young blonde nurse approached. She had smooth golden skin and blue eyes. When the doctor grabbed their coffees and clipboards, she unbuttoned her scrubs. She had large, bouncy tits and a thin red song. I'm a gift from Ginger, she said. I'm Monica, and we have 20 minutes. Are you an angel? Of course, she said. We have 11 minutes. She said she laid her scrubs by his feet. She turned and wiggled her onion booty. She smacked it with her left palm. Shall I sit? Brack looked down to see casts on his knees to his feet. He was naked. Monica peeled back the blue sheet. His erection seven-inch cock sprang. She dropped her thong past her ankles. Her gingerbread buns swallowed his cock hard. Oh, yeah, she said. The machine bleeps escalated. Doctors filled the room and glued Black's chest with electrodes. His torsos flopped. The doctors worked around the sex. Oh, shit, I'm coming. The bleeps flattened to a stall cry. Brack's heart stopped as Monica's tongue pressed against his. She sucked his soul into her esophagus. We're going to Mars, Monica said. 
Why not go back to Earth? Brack said. Even though you know the truth, you chose sin, Monica said. You need to burn out your perversions on the orange planet. Monica's naked ass shifted back and forth as she walked unseen to the working staff. She opened doors with her thin brown eyes. She entered into the flesh, fresh midnight sky. Her knees bended as she swept away at the Earth's gravity. She flew through the meteor field, her naked feet landing on red clay. Small particles of Mars's sediment bounced. Easy, we're almost done. <clears throat> there is nothing here on Mars. There's nothing here on Mars, Brack said. Behind a mound of chili pepper, an astronaut appeared. His glass helmet. have to stop. This is just going to keep going. I thought that this was going to like end at some point. This is page one of three. <laughs> there's, there's a whole neural boxer mission. Like they're actually setting some shit. Get <laughs> the fuck out. Uh, I had fun reading it though. 
I enjoyed it up until it started getting too... I enjoyed it while it was still in the store. I'm just going to admit it, right? When it was still a gangbang in the ceramic store, I was really having fun. And I really do think, you guys better need to sell some freaking ceramics. Is one of the greatest fucking things I've ever heard. <laughs> I can't believe... I can't believe the gangbang gay... The uh, whole thing was just a premise to get this guy to go through hell. Ah, <sighs> Guys, that was a live show. Did you have fun? I sure fucking did. You can tip me if you've never tipped me. That's just fine. There's a link. You can do it. New episodes will be starting next Thursday, the next 14 Thursdays in a row. It's season one, baby. I'm excited. I hope you are too. Uh, hopefully you can hear how... Uh, Good, my voice is. Hopefully you can hear how much I've... Uh... And a patron show on the 26th, as per usual. So we've got a show every part of the Friday night. We'll do a Euro-friendly stream in May. It's going to be all 10 p.m. Friday shows uh, throughout April. Again, tip show again on the 12th, the 19th, patron show on the 26th. Uh, uh, I think that's just about it. Uh, more news about a collection appearing on Audible fairly soon, so keep an eye out for that. I'll be telling you at the beginning of the podcast when that is available for sale. Uh, I think that's about very supportive and very sweet of me. Uh, hopefully you can hear that I am really, truly trying to take out as I push forward. I know that uh, things are just going to keep on improving. If you like me and you like the sound of my voice, thank you so much for being a fan. If you like this, there are more pieces always up available on the Patreon. More rolling out all the time. One, five, and ten dollar tiers available. Also